morning everyone. Today I want to read to you an article that I had published in the English Teachers Association of Queensland's journal called Wordsworth. It's ETAC 49th issue in 2016. You can find it online if you want to. The article is titled An Essay That Sparked an Educational Renaissance by Natalie Kennedy. Although she was the first woman to receive a degree from Oxford, was lauded as a successful crime fiction writer, playwright, poet and academic, and moved in circles where C.S. Lewis and T.S. Eliot could be counted as friends, it was her essay entitled The Lost Tools of Learning that sparked an educational renaissance. Perhaps it is an ironic twist of fate that a woman who in her own words had extremely limited teaching experience, could have such a far-reaching effect on the educational philosophy and reform in America and slowly around the world. It was 1947 at Oxford University where Miss Sayers first bemoaned the effects of modern educational practices. She felt modern students were supposedly free-thinking who were not able to question. They were more literate than ever, but they weren't reading. They were becoming mindless consumers of everything from soda to sex and weren't remembering much of anything. Maybe it was nothing more than a reactionary speech, echoing people's fear and embarrassment that they might have been swept up in the emotionalism of wartime propaganda. But once the dust had settled and their sons and daughters buried, a sense of determinism arose. They would never be tricked again by pernicious political propaganda. Fixing the education of the young seemed to be a good enough place to start. So what was her answer to the pitfalls and problems of the industrialised and progressive educational system? It was to return to the medieval approach of the trivium and the quadrivium. Now, when I first heard these terms shrouded in the mystery of the glorious dead tongue, I was intrigued. What was this system? What is the trivium in lay terms? And more personally, why haven't I heard about an educational system that had successfully educated men for centuries in my education degree? Well, the trivium in layman's terms, is a systematic approach that divides schooling into the grammar phase, logic phase and the rhetoric phase. New terms for junior, middle and senior school perhaps? Not quite. If you were to step into a classical school in the grammar phase, the first thing you would notice is the cheerful chanting, precise calling out drills, mnemonic songs, emphasis on memory work and a deep grasp of historical and literary information and facts from ancient Egypt through to the modern era. These kids are familiar with the gods, goddesses, heroes and villains from Pharaoh's gilded empire to the childish machinations of the Greek and Roman divine families through to the stark reality of poverty and class structure in Victorian era novels. They are sponges filled with the knowledge, poetry and passion from the greatest minds. Not a bad place to start their educational journey. Once a student moves to year seven, they enter the logic phase and in accordance with their hormones, the focus in this stage is to teach the students how to argue 
and how, how to argue well. They are taught formal logic and begin to identify false arguments while formulating sound ones. Heated debates, disagreements and a sharpening of one's critical faculties are a hallmark of this middle stage of schooling. Finally, students in Year 10 move into the rhetoric stage of learning, where they learn to articulate their opinions and expert opinions of others with power, passion and beauty. If they are attending a classical school, not just a liberal arts school, they will also begin reading the rigorous Romans in their Latin tongue. An aspect that most appeals to me, though, is the fact that within a trivium-based education, students are required to complete three chronological sweeps through history during these three stages of learning. Now, it is in with these it is in within these historical periods that students read books in an abridged or original form depending on their age. They study art and music, learn about significant mathematicians and scientists along with their theories and become completely immersed in the reality of a particular time in history. As a senior English teacher, I have noticed the lack of background historical context students approach literary and non-literary texts with, along with their lack of strong grammatical knowledge and the weakness of their understanding of logic, which is not their fault, it isn't offered as a subject. Students who do study history um, study units in a fragmented and non-linear way avoiding a lot of clarity and cohesiveness of understanding as a result. <laughs> in a recent Year 12 unseen Shakespearean essay, one student wrote that Macbeth messaged Lady Macbeth about the witch's prophecy. Students don't see themselves and their values and beliefs as a product of the age in which they live. Often, they judge people from different times and places with their own fashionable and politically correct ideologies. In T.S. Eliot's words, this sense of superior presentism prevents students from stopping to ponder that their ideologies may be the topic for critical dissection and dismissal in a distant future. Eliot seemed annoyed that students and critics have no respect towards the pastness of the past. With these sentiments in mind, there has been a rebirth of a trivium-based classical education, initially in America, with the, where, with the reverberations being felt faintly here in Australia, and more specifically in Brisbane. Under a number of di um, directors, but starting with Dr Ryan Meesmore, the Millis Institute, housed within Christian Heritage College at Mansfield, Brisbane, creates an opportunity for students to experience a tertiary liberal arts course with a difference. The following information from the website sums up the radically different approach to receiving a higher education. It says, The Millis Institution is a new initiative promoting a revolution in Australian higher education. We are inspired by a different vision of the university not as an institution that simply provides job training, but as a community of learning that also cultivates wisdom, creativity and character. Housed within CHC Brisbane, the Millis Institute offers two unique accredited degrees, a Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts and a Diploma of Liberal Arts, Foundations of Learning 
Led by Dr. Ryan Meesmall, back in 2016, the Institute encouraged students to lay a strategic foundation in thinking at the undergraduate level and to specialise in the postgraduate level with a one-year, two-year and three-year option. Their liberal arts degrees had helped to liberate students from a single career track and open up a broader range of options for them. Students could also take advantage of a five-week intensive at Oxford University in England. Now the concept of the liberal arts degree as offered by the Millis Institute is so terrifyingly controversial. This degree doesn't lead directly to a job. Oh. Having said that, my first degree in business, specialising in public, public relations from QUT, didn't lead directly to a job either. The degree functioned more like a ticket that opened the door to a potential job where skills could be learnt and perfected while on the job. As an educator, with over 18 years teaching experience, it is only within the last five to ten years that I began to question and redefine what the true purpose of education was. Rather than singular, singularly being utilitarian in its concept as a means of only equipping students with skills and knowledge for a particular career pathway, being well educated should be seen as an end in itself and a starting point to a myriad of career pathways. Now, when I told people back in the day, before life got too busy with many kids, that I was studying Latin in a small group, people first reacted with, oh, I love Latin dancing too. Then after I explained that I'm learning Latin the language, I was met with a perplexed, why? Are you going to become a Latin teacher? Does it seem like such a strange concept that I would choose to study Latin simply to improve my understanding of languages and how they work? Why was it so unusual to study something when there may never be a direct correlation to paid work as a result of this study? These questions really highlight how entrenched in economical imperatives our philosophy of education can become. Now, I want to talk briefly about my teaching practice philosophy, small changes, big impact. The first change a classical approach has directly had on my teaching within a classroom is how I present the subject of English to my students. I started my year 12 English class looking at how English is about philosophical inquiry on the one hand and the craft of text production on the other. We explored the idea that if a school doesn't have philosophy or religious subjects on offer, English will be the only subject at school where abstract thoughts are explored, analysed and created. While text production is an important skill in the classroom, it is, the on it is only the vehicle for transporting ideas, values and beliefs. Earlier in the year I introduced my students to the work of Mortimer Adler and his concept of the great ideas. My mathematically and scientifically minded students loved the concept that abstraction could be quantified and measured. Dr Adler along with a team of researchers constructed a work entitled Syntopican, an index to the great ideas. A systematic and comprehensive inventory of the fundamental ideas to be found in the great books of the Western world, with two indices, one that charts the author to the idea and the other that notes the author to the author conversation. I purchased his collection of essays, The Great Ideas, A Lexicon of Western Thought, 
and started to approach my teaching of units with a broader, philosophical approach, not a political one. Students begin to use similar language, replacing the concept of themes with ideas. It was a small change, but it shifted the emphasis. If, for example, we were to look at the theme of slavery, we would think in literal terms about people groups who have been slaves and people groups who have owned slaves. That's if we look at it as a theme. But if we then look at the theme, or rather than looking at it as a theme, we look at it as an idea. If we think about the great idea of slavery, capital G, we begin to realize that we are all slaves to something or someone at various points throughout our lives. We are reminded of Rousseau's famous line, men is free, yet everywhere he is in chains. This shift in thinking forces students to move beyond the surface and literal concepts and invites them to see themselves as a part of the ongoing conversation about humanity, the cosmos and everything in between. They start to see themselves being impacted by perhaps ideas that because of their own limited experience they think are not relevant to them. I also began to keep a commonplace book or reading journal which I had abandoned at 18 and having never been encouraged to think to the contrary, put it aside as a childish practice. I noticed quickly that this journal practice was meaningful and very useful in helping me to remember information, facts and quotes that I was able to share accurately during casual conversations and during class discussions. The immediate benefit of having ideas, facts, quotes to hand was invaluable in improving the quality of my conversations and teacher-led discussions. I decided to abandon, for the most part, chapter questions for our two novel studies and replaced that with reflection in a journal-style approach. For each chapter, students were required to make notes under the following headings. Plot points, brief summation of the events, craft, figures of description used, symbols, etc. Great ideas, the main ideas noted and the questions that emerge as a result. Vocabulary, new words, complex words, fun words, and then research. Unfamiliar ideas, concepts, persons, events that the student will need to do their own background research on. I was surprised at how enthusiastically students responded to this simple practice. I had to emphasise to them that I wasn't looking for quantity, but quality. Some chapters wouldn't elicit much of a response, while other chapters would, and that was okay. I also had to stress to my class that I wasn't interested in them regurgitating an expert's interaction with the text. I wanted to hear their experience with the text. They began to relish the opportunity opportunity to share their favourite events or quotes from the novel, and they also felt more qualified to participate in class discussions. Like any English teacher will know, discussion, and great discussion at that, is the lifeblood of our subject. And ultimately shared passion and enthusiasm for language and great literature is contagious. I also explicitly tested spelling and vocabulary every week, which surprisingly they all loved, especially the boys. We would play vocab games like vocab pictionary and concentration, along with our tongue-in-cheek vocab testimonies. 
which in a religious school was uniquely funny. People would share how they had used one of the vocab words in conversation or how they had begun to see a particular word everywhere. One boy shared that, Miss, when I was on the Goldie, I saw Hotel Halcyon and I knew what it meant. I've always loved words and being able to focus part of my teaching on fostering this love with my students has enriched my teaching and their learning experience. My final thoughts is that although I'm still on a lifelong journey of refining my teaching practice, the best professional development I believe that I can do and you can do as a teacher is to read more, maintain a commonplace book, think philosophically and practice the craft of a writer. When we come into the classroom with that mindset, I feel as though we become more than the facilitated guide on the side, we become the fellow sojourner, participating together in the great conversation as both the receiver and the creator of ideas. I hope you enjoyed this article and uh, I'll talk to you soon.